welcome back to the Trees and Nylon podcast. My name is Trees and Nylon, or Trees or Nylon or T or whatever you want to call me. And joining me today is the librarian of the Library of Alexandria for the Gorbcore Archives. <laughs> it is Chase Anderson of Outdoor Rec Archive. How are you doing today, man? I'm I'm doing great. When you said li- librarian, immediately uh-huh. I thought you had misread my title or something, <laughs> but I, I am far from that. Uh, yeah, but yeah. honored. Uh, happy to be here. Of course, of course. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, we're going to just establish you a little bit for the people. And I, I, would, I would think they do know, seeing um, the following that your page has. Uh, how would you describe yourself and then also your uh, Instagram page? That's a good question. Um, I feel like I wear a lot of different hats. So uh, my Formerly, my primary role, my day-to-day job is, is here at Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program, where I do all of our industry outreach and marketing. Um, so I'm out there stumping for the program, promoting our graduates, our students, building relationships with companies. Um, that's where I spend most of my time. Um, but uh, I think the, for our purposes... Um, I do a lot of the outreach and promotion for our outdoor recreation archive as well. Um, so I'm out there trying to find new materials to be donated to the collection. I manage the Instagram account um, and I work with our university arch- archivist um, just on, on strategy regarding the collection, where it's going to go, um, who we should work with, um, those, those sorts of things. So I do a little bit of everything, but I think for, for today, I'm sure we'll be talking mostly about archives. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we jump into like the actual format of the show, I was just wondering, how did you get involved with all of this? Uh, which, which part? The, the <laughs> university part or archives? All of it. I assume you went to Utah State. I did. I, I went to Utah State studying uh, international business and mm-hmm. uh, eventually went on to work in industry for a couple of years. So um, worked with Cotopaxi in its early days. Mm-hmm. Um in, in Salt Lake, um, and then ended up working with um, a large fitness company, um, mm. Icon Health and Fitness, which at the time owned Ultra Footwear um, for all those trail runners out there. <laughs> um, but I was more on the fitness side, so because um, kind of like you, on more on the marketing side of things. Yeah. Um, and then this position opened up at the university to work with this new design program focused on the outdoors. And uh, it was in its first year and, and they needed someone to do industry outreach and uh, jumped at the opportunity. Um, The archive came about when one of our faculty members who teaches a history of gear class for Mm -hmm. our students uh, approached our university archives, which um, they, they manage uh, mostly document photo print collections from um, just mostly from uh, the history of Utah, the history of the region. Um, this faculty member approached them and pitched them on the idea of preserving the history of the outdoor industry so that our students could study it and appreciate it and learn from it. Um, and that's when I got involved and, um, just mostly because I was interested, um, Mm -hmm. in that type of a project and it's since grown, um, to the point where it's a, it's a huge, uh, resource for our program. Um, and, uh, we, I spend more and more time on it all the time because it's, it's so valuable for our students and I'm just passionate about it. So it definitely started out as like a uh, student, like for the student site program, would you say that you saw, like you foresaw it becoming this huge icon for like this weird community of people that enjoy the clothing outside of the university or 
do you think it was just going to stay kind of closed in? It's a really good question. I'm actually working on my first ever uh, like academic piece that I'm mm. writing. Like I'm not, I'm not a faculty member. Um, I'm not a professor. Mm-hmm. I don't do any research necessarily, but I'm, I'm working on like my first academic piece that yeah. I'm hoping to get published at one point. And the, and the crux of that is um, how this archive came about. And um, that's, that's kind of the, the driving force behind it is this question of like, was it for the students and when did it become for industry? Mm-hmm. Um, because in the early days, we really did it for the students. We thought uh, we want we want our graduates to know and appreciate the history of the outdoor industry. Um, and if we can bring that to them and bring it closer to them and have them look at these materials, um, they'll hopefully be better designers for it. Um, and we want them graduating with an appreciation of where the industry has been in yeah. the hopes that it helps inform where it's going to go in the future. Um, once we started putting the material on Instagram, um, which is just a, a thought that I had inspired by a photographer named Brian Kelly, um, who runs an archive called the National Parks um, Archive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's NPS Maps on Instagram. Um, it's, a, it's a collection of National Parks brochures oh. that he acquired over years and photographed all of them and mm-hmm. then just put them on, on Instagram and um, eventually published a book with standards manual called Parks. Um, that oh, wow. just celebrates the the graphic design of these these brochure covers. Mm-hmm. I was really inspired by by the, the format, the simplicity, and I thought, wow, well, we've got you know a few thousand catalogs. This was <laughs> the early days of the collection. Mm-hmm. I'll, I have a lot of content here. Maybe I just start posting these every couple of days. Um, and as the collection grew, I realized more and more. They, we, we have endless content here. Uh, we could post every day um, for years and still yeah. be fine. And, yeah. and so it just, it just started from there, me posting uh, once a day and um, slowly but surely um, people started to find us. And, and, you know, fortunately for us, we, we had a few great uh, pieces written about the collection that really propelled us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's when we made that tris- transition to, to putting the material on Instagram, we started to recognize this is bigger than just for students. This is for uh, a global audience. Yeah. A whole culture. That's really Absolutely. cool. That's very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I see the inspiration between that and uh, the NPS maps page that you told me about for sure. Just very simple, clean, just white backgrounds, nothing flashy. I like it. It just kind of showcases all the work without, you know, being too in your face. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it makes it easy on us. You know, we're already scanning the yeah, covers. Yeah, I can and only so we, we have we have a box folder full of scans. Mm-hmm. And so it's relatively easy for me to take those images and then, um, you know, format them for Instagram. Yeah, that is just so cool. That's such a cool program, too. I mean, I live so I live down in the um, southeast in Georgia and we do not. Well, first of all, we don't have the culture that you guys have around hiking and all that. Um, we do have hikes, you know, the Appalachian starts here and all that, but there's no like mountain culture. Like there really is in like Utah, Colorado, Oregon, that area. And so just hearing that you have a outdoor like development and design program, that's just so cool to me as someone who's like, man, I had majored in marketing because I wanted to do this, but I didn't know it existed. Yeah, absolutely. We, we hear that all the time. And especially mm-hmm. from people who are already in industry Yeah. that, when we know we're like, we know that we're doing it right. 
and mm-hmm. doing a good thing when people from industry say, I wish this was around when I was going to school. Yeah. Um, and so we know that we're on the right track with our design program and, and we've been around for seven years. We've had three mm-hmm. graduating classes. Um, oh, nice. I was going to ask and, how popular is the major? Yeah, we've got 230 students in our program Wow. over across the four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we've had graduates get placed at companies like Under Armour and Black Diamond, L.L. Bean, wow. Eddie Bauer, Columbia Sportswear, uh, Patagonia Vans. Uh, we, we've got graduates really all over the country. So They're successful. They're successful is what I'm hearing. It is successful. They're doing yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. We're, it's, and, and we're only getting started, which is the other thing. It's similar to the archive, right? Both of these initiatives mm-hmm. are relatively new. And the next few years are going to be really excited for both of them. Yeah, especially as like, I mean, if someone from Georgia is paying attention to something like this, I mean, I'm just saying that's not a normal thing. And I know I'm an outlier as well, but like it's the the whole scene itself is becoming so much more popular just over lockdown, everyone going outside, getting more interested in it. That's a very common story that I hear from Mm -hmm. the guests, just like, you know, I didn't have anything else to do. So I just went camping with my buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, yeah, people are just getting more and more into it anyway. So I think it's only going to grow from here, which is the whole, the whole scene is, and I think that's super interesting to look at. Totally. I mean, COVID for sure. Um, and then just Gorp core, right. Yeah. On, and the influence that's having on fashion right now, yes, um, definitely. I think is, is definitely, I, I don't know if we've necessarily seen recruitment change because of that just yet, but mm-hmm. I, I could see a wave of students who are introduced to our program because they're interested in fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they discover more technical or performance materials, fashions, you know, applications, um, and then find our program because Mm -hmm. of that. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what that does to our program (laughs) in the, in the years to come, but I think there's, there's a lot of optimism for us for sure. That's super cool. Well, let's get on to the actual, uh, meat and potatoes of the program. Uh, this is a trees and nylon podcast. So we talk about trees and we also talk about nylon. So for you, it's gonna be a little special case. I kind of want to get to know uh, chase a little bit better as well, not just uh, Mr. Outdoor Rec Archive. Um, so uh, could you explain a little bit about, uh, actually, I'll ask you, would you like to start with trees or nylon? Ooh, uh, let's do trees. Trees first, good choice. Um, so talk to me a little bit about like growing up some of your relationships to the outdoors um, just in general. Yeah, wow. Um, I think for me, and I've had this conversation with a few other people, actually, um, I had a conversation with someone who grew up next to the, next to the Alps. Right. Mm, and, uh, wow. they, they work in the industry now they're, they live in Bavaria in, uh, <laughs> in Germany and, and, uh, for them, they, well, I well, actually, I don't know if they grew up there, but they work there now and, and mm. has spent a lot of time there, but for them, the outdoor industry or the outdoors was just, it's just that was life, right? Because you're surrounded by it. Um, in in a similar way, growing up along the Wasatch Front, um, going to going to school, and you see the Wasatch Mountains every day. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of your lifestyle, um, and so that's that's kind of how I would, um, I guess, define my connection to to trees, to the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Is it's just a part of life, and I think that's common for a lot of people in Utah, Colorado, for sure is you're just surrounded by, it's hard to not think about the outdoors when you've got those mountains, you know, in your face every day. Um, And being, you know, three or four hours away from Moab, from Mm -hmm. all the parks, you know, and Utah being a big national park state, 
um, with, with five big national parks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just a part of life, part of growing up. Um, and so I carry that with me today. I mean, part of the reason that I stay um, in the community where I live is not only because of this incredible program that I work for, but um, just outside my window, five minutes from campus is Logan Canyon and uh, a lot of great outdoor recreation opportunities that are so close. Um, so I, I definitely have a strong connection. I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Grew up hiking around the mountains. It's just part of the culture a lot more. Um, I was going to say that I had on a guest, um, Archive Drift Kyle, shout out to him. And he grew up in Chicago, and then he just recently moved to uh, Bend, Oregon. And he just mm-hmm. said the difference in culture between hiking, because, you know, he got into Gorp Corps when he was there, and he didn't really have places to go. He was like, you know, a few hours away from a real nice hike. And then in Oregon, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, we got, we have like, you know, work's over. Let's just go on this like beautiful hike that, you know, normally someone like me would set out like three or four days to go travel to that park and like do a bunch of hikes and like, Oh no, it's just like a Tuesday. Let's go do this hike real quick. Just like having access to that so easily changes the culture so much from, you know, someone who doesn't. Oh, for sure. I, and I think in our community, like as an, another example with campus here, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of students come, come to the university because of the proximity to outdoor recreation opportunities, the access to trails, but just, I guess, as an example, like just recently, the university completed a, in the city completed a, a, a trail connector that takes you from campus straight into our canyon. And oh, so wow. you can, you can ride your bike straight from campus mm-hmm. up to the trails, mountain bike, trail run, whatever you want to do, go, go climb. Um, and it's now becoming more interconnected. So it, again, part of that lifestyle, right? It's like, Oh, you can go from class and then, you know, just go straight to the canyon. Um, or straight to the river and, and fish, yeah. whatever it might be. So, That's so cool. Um, there's some infrastructure um, components to that that make a difference. And that proximity is mm-hmm. makes all the difference in my opinion, but. Wow. Uh, well, currently, I mean, you've, you've alluded a little bit to everything that you do, but what's your, like, what is your hiking, camping, fishing, mountain biking, whatever, all of that, what's your schedule for that look like? How often oh, do you get out there? Not as much as I would like to, to be honest, course, I, I spend a lot of time doing this job, but mm-hmm. um uh, more recently, it's a lot of biking. So it's a lot of indoor for me. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I like to, uh, um, road cycling is kind of my activity of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, when it's not winter, like it is now here in, in cash Valley, it's, um, you know, taking, taking rides around the farm roads mm-hmm. of, of our Valley. Um, uh, but you know, occasionally get out, fish the Logan river while I'm here hike up Logan Canyon, um, definitely heading into ski season. So we've got a nice family owned and operated resort, Beaver mountain. That's oh, nice. up the Canyon about, um, 40 minutes from us up the Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, so like to do it all. I don't know if I, I guess if I had one activity, it's cycling though, um, nice. that I do cool. most, most frequently. Very cool. Very cool. Um, do you have any like plans for the future? Any, not even just in your state, but not even in the country, anywhere you really want to go, really want to see any like dream activity that you'd like to do in the future. Dream activity. Wow. Um, outside preferably for sure. You know, I was talking to a friend, I I took a a trip up to, up to Portland, Mm -hmm. um, just a couple of weeks ago for work. Um, and whenever I go on work trips, there's never enough time to go play. Yeah. Um, 
And so the next time I get up there, the plan is to go and do, do Mount hood and, you know, hike mm. around trails in that area and do a few things there. So, but also have plans for a few things here in the state too. So getting down mm -hmm. to Zion, uh, nice. national park and, um, haven't been there since I was a kid. So I'm mm -hmm. um, looking forward to getting back down there, did arches, um, in the fall. Um, and I've, I've caught the, the desert bug. I need to get, get, get to see some red rock again. I think oh. I need to see red rock at least once a year. It's, just, <laughs> it's, nice. it's a different landscape and I love yeah, it. Yeah, so. definitely. No, I was going to say, uh, mentioning Zion and all those parks there back when I was in, Hmm. What grade was I? My sister was okay. I was probably like a sophomore in high school. We were going to go do this huge, we were going to rent an RV and drive all the way out. Or maybe we rented there. Anyway, we're going to do like a bunch of parks in like Utah, Colorado, like all that stuff. We were going to hit all the, all the red rock parks, basically, as you said. Mm -hmm. And my sister was a cheerleader for like a middle school cheerleading team. And they said that, uh, she could only miss two practices or she'd be kicked off the team. And this was just like a junior high school team. We're like what? That's, yeah. that's absurd. And she was like, no, I really want to be on the team. Like, can we just like postpone the trip? So we didn't go on this amazing trip because of that. And then next year she just quit cheerleading. And my parents were like, Oh my God, oh. we missed all of that just so you could quit the next year. And <laughs> yeah, no, that was rough. So I've never actually been out there. The closest I've gotten is uh, I went to the Badlands last October and uh it was so it was snowing the whole time but i did get to see some like brownish reddish white rock and that was that was cool oh nice well you'll have to make it out this way at some point maybe the archive will be one more reason to to come out <laughs> here and see the collection in person for sure that would be super cool yeah me and my girlfriend have talked about um like a, our next big trip is gonna be like an out west trip where we go either to um glacier again Yellowstone Tetons, like that area up in like mm -hmm. Wyoming, Montana, or we go down to Utah, Colorado and drive around there for a while. Nice. So, I as long, can't go wrong. List. Yeah, yeah, it's on the bucket list. Well, sure. as long as we're a stop on that trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And check out the archive. I'll definitely, I'll have to drag her along. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to the nylon portion, I just want to say you have a great podcast voice. Thank you. I don't know Thank if you. it's if it's just the mic because I get told that as well, and I have uh, have the mic, but um, yeah, I think it, the it, mic. I think the mic helps a lot. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I've heard that too. I I guess that's a good thing, right? Yeah, um, no, definitely. You have you have a good uh, good cadence. You know, you can keep a conversation going. You know, actually, I think uh, you should just host the podcast from now on. I think I'm just gonna drop out. <laughs> I'll just like work host? behind the scenes. You know, yeah, guest you can just host. host a few episodes. I'll just drop in occasionally. Yeah, 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 that'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> you know what you can do is you can get the real industry insiders. You know, you can pull some strings, get some get some high high profile figures on the show, and I just step back, and I like collect the ad revenue. But you can there you can go. have a conversation, which is really there what it's go. all about, honestly. At the end of the day, it's all about the conversation, <laughs> right? What, yeah, we, for we, sure. We don't need that ad revenue. No way. No, 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 no. I do this for free. I just uh, got lucky with my sponsor being the person who hosts the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, shout out to Anchor. But um, moving on to the nylon portion, and then we'll do an extra archive portion because I feel like you've touched on it, but I have a few more questions. Uh, what was your relation to just clothing in general growing up? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I thought too much about it, to be honest, like as a kid. Um, I don't know if I really thought about it. I, it might have been when I started I don't know, getting into the outdoor industry that I started to really pay attention to, 
to what I was buying and what I was using. And, and certainly now in the position I'm in, I'm a little more conscious about what, what I use. And, and maybe that's like a, you know, something that more people are experiencing. I think more people are just more conscious of what they, they use, what they buy. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm, I'm well, part of like a, a larger <laughs> national and global trend, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, but with Sheehan, you know, you never know what could happen. Yeah. Right. So, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I just never really thought about it, but also being in an outdoor family mm-hmm. gear was just kind of a part of life too. Right. So, yeah. um, but I mean, I still have products that my, my parents gave me when I was a kid, like I've got a Columbia ski jacket that I, it still fits me they bought it oversized <laughs> and, and good for them because I didn't have to buy um, more. a new yeah. ski jacket every, every couple of years. Um, but I think that does stick with me is, is my parents buying good product that, mm-hmm. I mean, some of it I still have today. And so I think that has definitely, um, impacted me, um, is buying, buying good product from great brands and, 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 you know, more important than everything, getting out and using it. For sure. Yeah. So you, I mean, I obligatory have to ask the question. You were never sucked into the, the hypey Supreme Kith wormhole. Um, you know, I, I keep keep track of it i'm definitely uh-huh. interested in that i okay. i have to say there's there's certain drops that of course uh catch your eye and you're interested mm-hmm. in um but uh i also you know i don't have a ton of disposable income to just drop uh, on the latest release <laughs> um, yeah, yeah but uh, definitely interested in in what's going on in that space and how it interacts with mm-hmm. what our students are doing um, oh yeah yeah for sure and, and it's a conversation that we have to have with students around you know, how hype culture is influencing the outdoor industry and how sure. the outdoor industry is influencing fashion and mm-hmm. who's influencing who more and <laughs> what what is the result of that? What does that mean yeah. um, for you as a designer moving forward? So those are all questions that I need to be familiar with and mm-hmm. and try to keep keep track of because it's it's I mean those are those are decisions that our students are gonna have to make. Yeah. Well, see, if you want the trees and nylon take, I would say from what I've seen around here, or just like in the culture in general, I, th- I see it as skaters kind of start everything. So even Gorbcore, like skaters are wearing Arcteryx, kind of like they were wearing Louis Vuitton back in like the 90s and stuff. Mm-hmm. But skaters kind of start everything. And then it becomes like, I think everyone just takes pieces of like the skate aesthetic and makes a new kind of streetwear category. So like Gorbcore, you see like the baggy pants, you see like the baggy jackets for a lot of these people. I know Arcteryx kind of specializes in more like military fit. They kind of they kind of take the aesthetic of the baggy skater kind of clothes and they transformed it into the Gorbcore scene of like, you know, you see all these people. It's kind of like the same um same vibe, you know what I mean? Same like it's all about a lifestyle choice that they made, so they're dressing to pursue that lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. So even though like, you know, a lot of, I mean, there are a few kids who do skate and they are in like, you know, the Gorbcore scene. Um, But I think, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And I, I don't know, I think for the uh, who's influencing who type question, I don't know, because it could be both ways. It could just be the same actors who are in Supreme are now just on Arcteryx and, and Wander and Claude Moosin and all that. Uh, maybe not those other two yet, but they'll get there eventually. But it could just be those same people that are just finding new brands and just, you know, experimenting with new styles. Or it could be this scene got so big and like it got so popular over this past few years that 
it's influencing those celebrities and people like that to look into the style. I don't know. I don't know. These are big questions. These <laughs> yeah, might these be bigger big than questions. me. Um, we got to get. I don't know. I, I I think it's interesting that as I've been digging into outdoor history, it's kind of interesting to see how the outdoors has all always, not always, but in 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 certain instances interacted with the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the dominant culture of the time is. Yeah. Um, and I think of the North Face when they opened their first store and they had the Grateful Dead playing. Wow. Um, you know, in, in the I think late 60s, early 70s. Um, and they had Hell's Angels like manning the doors. Really? Um, yeah. And and so it's like even the North Face at that time in the Bay Area was was where so much activity was happening. Um and and I'm sure that plays into their success. And and mm -hmm. and and more recently, um, well, in especially late 80s, 90s, the North Face and and hip hop, right? That mm -hmm. that blending yeah. together. Um I think has is was probably foreshadowed a lot of where we're at today, right? And now you yeah. have brands like Nike that, you know, they have their Nocta line <laughs> sub brand with Drake, and it's yeah. all puffy jackets, right? It's all yeah. down puffies, um, which you could probably trace that back, you know, the '90s mm -hmm. and and um, you know that connection back to the to the, some of these outdoor brands. So. Um, I don't know. I, I, well, now even more recently, I guess keeping that North Face um, uh, yeah. thread is the North Face Gucci collaboration. I know yeah. they just dropped their their second season of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I don't really have an opinion on on who's influencing who necessarily because mm -hmm. um, I think it's still pretty early to say. But I think anything that can help people, oh, it, you know connect with the outdoors, I think is a good thing, right? There's been a lot of gatekeeping around the outdoors and Definitely. in general, it's like who can participate, who cannot. Um, and so if there's opportunity for people to connect with the outdoors or recognize mm -hmm. an opportunity to get outside, that's, that's a good thing. I, I another example, I think of Salehi Bembury, um, as one of the best examples of someone who's, I think, um, walking the talk and helping people connect with the outdoors. Um, mm -hmm. you know, someone, uh, connected with high fashion Versace, <laughs> yeah. um, now doing collaborations with Crocs and new balance with a very outdoor, you know, mm -hmm. focus. Yeah. Um, but he's not just making product you put on a shelf. He he's really challenging people to take that out and hike in the product. Yeah. Um, and I think he's probably exposing a lot of people who'd never considered going on a hike to go on a hike. Um, totally at least, totally at least i hope so so yeah, yeah anyways that's a little bit of a tangent but i'm i'm excited to see where this goes and yes. i don't want to have a firm opinion on what's good <laughs> what's bad i, I yeah, just yeah. think it is right now mm -hmm. uh, so i took some notes down as you were talking and i have a few things to say first when you brought up the like north face hell's angels and all that good stuff it reminded me i watched um oh no fire in the valley is not the name of it but it might be it's a it's a documentary type piece on um, the climbing scene in Yosemite. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the name of it? I think I think you're right. It's close. I don't yeah, know. It's for something sure. it like might, that. It might be that. Yeah, it it's something familiar. like that. Yeah, it's on Amazon uh, Prime if you want to go watch it. And it, yeah. Fire in the Valley is not what it's called, but if you look up like hiking documentary or climbing, it'll be there. And just that culture of uh, like 
dirtbags living in the park and just like climbing every single day of the year. I think that's the same kind of rebel culture as like skaters have. So it kind of started in the same kind of place of like, we just want to do what we like and we don't care about like the authority. So it kind of has, and like Patagonia and North Face both started from people who are part of that scene very heavily. So um, I don't know, there's definitely something there. Next, uh, you said, who am I? Or there's been a lot of gatekeeping in the community of like, who's allowed to go outside. And there is one answer hidden in why is not allowed to go outside uh, because I don't like when they post corpse stuff. I know that they're like, I, do you know, I assume you know who hidden is. Mm-hmm. I have been very vocal on this podcast about uh, not respecting them um, because they are kind of just a poser. Um, they're for the culture. And I understand that they post dunks, they post babe, they post all that good stuff. But then they throw an Arcteryx jacket, they throw a Solomon. And it kind of shows that the culture is changing a little bit and that uh, people are interested in these things. But at the same time, like, I don't think these guys have been outside before. So I kind of am uh, vocally gatekeeping him every single time uh, people talk about it on the podcast. And you can have no opinion on that. This is firmly what I believe in. But uh, yeah, I just want to get that out there because it's not a Trees and Nylon podcast unless I gatekeep from hidden. <laughs> yeah i don't i i i wouldn't i don't know enough um, mm-hmm. to get into that one but yeah, i think yeah. it's a complex issue and i think that's something that we're all gonna have to wrestle with and um and figure out how we can contribute positively to just helping people get out right and we're gonna see brands who who are doing it for 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 the money right and Absolutely. then we're gonna see others who do it for the right reason and mm-hmm. and we're gonna see you know I think again, like I think someone like Salehi is doing, you know, yeah. I don't know if there's a right way, um, but I think he's as close to the right way as as you can. Um, by he's the one who just, made that New Balance that like you can, it's got a whistle in the back, like, right? That's got the whistle in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But I, I think he is showing people, you know, you don't have to be dainty with my product, right? It's not yeah. about buying this thing and and flipping it, right? Mm-hmm. On StockX, it's yeah, you know, he shows his product getting dirty. And I, mm-hmm. I like that, um, which is cool. It's I, like a, I hope we see more of that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's being made to, to be used. Yeah. Um, it's very, very cool. Uh, the last thing I was going to say kind of on the same uh, new balance thing is the Gucci North face stuff. What is your opinion of it? Cause it's kind of in that same vein, but personally, when I look at the Gucci North face, it looks a little bit more uh, form over function. Mm-hmm. It looks a little bit, a little bit. I mean, some of those pieces are pretty avant-garde, like the huge puffer trench coats that you've seen. And those, like, I can respect that as a piece, as a piece of mm-hmm. art more than um, like a jacket. But then you see like the puffer jackets that are huge and they just like North Face Gucci with like the monogram all over it. I just don't know how I feel about it. I feel like it is kind of... um Greasy, maybe I want to say. just a, Just a little bit like kind of take take the money you know yeah it's an interesting one because i've i've talked to a few of the people who are involved in that um and uh first of all i think it's it's amazing to bring two brands like that together um yeah it's definitely cool to see just to hear the names Um, together yeah and i think obviously as a history buff especially Mm -hmm. a, a student of the industry yeah um i love bringing back classic styles and and I, I just love that whole idea and um, the execution of it, I think is, is the question, right? It's like, does, mm-hmm. is it gatekeeping by making it Gucci and, and having it the price it is? I think, yeah, you could make That's, that case, right? Yeah. It's kind of unattainable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, through the Gucci 
um, through Gucci, maybe there's followers of Gucci who've never considered hiking before going camping Mm -hmm. that now they're getting more familiar with the North face through the campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe they don't go buy the, the Gucci product, but they'll go buy some other North face product and they actually go use it. I don't know. It's, I think that's a really complicated one. And I know a lot of people have strong feelings about it on both sides. Yeah. Um, I would like to think that it's, it's having a more positive impact in that, you know, Gucci with their, their reach is, you know, showing people these images of people going outside and maybe it's creating some type of awakening for people. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know. It's, it's, it'll be hard. There's, I don't know if there's even a really way to quantify that um, Mm -hmm. and really get down to, was this effective for getting people outside or not? I don't know. Um, I think it's a case study that we'll be looking at for years to come. It's one of those big collaborations that I think we'll keep looking at. And I mean, definitely they keep trying to parse out what it, what it means. Yeah. Or yeah. right. And they just had their second, second mm-hmm. season come out. So I think there's more to come there, but I don't know. Exactly. Sorry. That was a long way of saying <laughs> I'm not really taking, I don't really yeah, have a stance yeah, yeah, yeah. on you it. Don't right have now. A stance. Yeah. I was going to say it's interesting. It's interesting to look at because you have um, recently uh, this kid foot underscore underscore down. He just recently changed his name. Uh, he's been doing a few of these like hiking on a budget type Instagram posts. Like this is what I wear. This is how I got it. This is what I did to get it. Um, you know, you don't have to have a ton of money to get out into the outdoors, which I think also uh, we go outside too. does something similar. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but um, just like, you don't have to have a $600 rain jacket to go on a hike, you know, just, cause there right. is that kind of elitist view of it of like, okay, I need my beta AR if I'm going to go hiking today, it's like, no, you really don't. You kind of just need a rain jacket that works. And yeah. um, so he's been posting and that's like, that's that side of the spectrum of like, you can do this for cheap. And then you have the other side of the spectrum. That's like, you can do this for really expensive. Right. And so yeah. how many people are going to go buy that $5,000 Gucci North face tent and go camp in it? Yeah. I mean, that's again, that's a case study that needs to be seen of like, how many people are buying this just for clout, just to say they have it. And how many times are you going to see that? at a campsite and how many times is it going to get broken into is really the question. <laughs> that's, that's uh, very true. Yeah. I think one, I think the outdoor industry has wrestled with this for a long time too. Right. It's like, I, th- I think in most cases, the industry is, is educating people on it. No, if you're really going to go outside as a matter of safety, right. And comfort, like mm-hmm. you need the right equipment and yeah. clothing included in that. Um, but in some ways, I think the outdoor industry at, at other times can can say, well, you need this equipment in order to to participate outside, but maybe you don't really, right? And mm-hmm. so I think I think you're right. There's like two two sides of that, and um, yeah, you don't want to take advantage of people and and you know tell them they have to get the most expensive product to participate outside when definitely they really don't. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to be, that's, that's the test of the integrity of integrity of a company, I think. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and their efforts to educate people at the end of the day, I, I think outdoor companies have a responsibility to educate people on, on how to use their product mm-hmm. when it's, when it's necessary to use it. I, I think a lot of the older outdoor companies really pioneered this. There was one called Jerry mountain sports still mm-hmm. around to this day, Jerry, I think on Instagram, it's Jerry outdoor. <laughs> Um, but they're, they're not as technical as they used to be, um, at all. Um, I mean, this is a, it's more of a brand that you'd find at, at a big box store. Um, Mm. 
but uh, in, back in the day, 1950s, they were the place to go for your equipment. Um, these were people who post-World War II um, were getting surplus gear and then figuring out how do we make this surplus gear better? And uh, that's where a lot of a lot of outdoor brands really came about was, you know, per, post-World War II. But um, this company, Jerry and Ann Cunningham, um, started it. And they realized that a lot of people who were getting outside didn't know about layering or they didn't know how to stay warm outside or they didn't know how to camp. And so there was a lot of education that went along with that um, <laughs> that led to people having to buy their product. In a similar way, I think the companies have to take that super seriously, right? It's like, we can't sell someone a jacket if, you know, if they're just gonna, they just need it to commute to work, right? It's like, or yeah. go get the mail, right? You know, I think there's there are different <laughs> products for different uses. Yeah. And um, I think companies have to take that responsibility really seriously of educating people on, you know, what, what they're buying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, like you said, it's, it's a new kind of thing. And I mean, uh, Prada has been doing, I mean, they have more technical products, but they're not specifically like hiking products. So I think this is kind of new frontier for, um, you know, this whole scene of like high-end designer versus kind of mainstream hiking company. So I think, yeah, it'll just, it'll just be interesting to see what happens and you can't really know until you see it. It could be similar to athleisure, right? Where yeah. athleisure came around Lululemon for sure. Definitely. Um, broke things open and then every company needed to sell leggings right mm -hmm. but does everyone need to sell leggings i don't <laughs> no. know right i and, and gorpcore could be I, maybe not as big as that but in a similar vein right maybe people maybe brands might be following that because they just sense you know a market opportunity similar yeah. to athlete that kind of the athleisure movement which we're still um a part of right mm -hmm. and even more so than ever probably with COVID <laughs> the last couple of years definitely definitely well with all of that good discussion um let's talk a little bit about uh what are you currently wearing right now <laughs> what, what are some brands that you like <laughs> that's a good question um you know i've been really been trying to buy a few things secondhand and i should have mm -hmm. worn them today um, no, it's like, we're, I, not doing, we're not doing a true fit check, but I okay, just, that's good because I'm wearing a no name, I think Swiss tech something <laughs> base layer, um, which I love anyways, but yeah, that's um, what matters. I got my, my classic bean boots on today though. Mm -hmm. Um, so been really enjoying the bean boots, especially with the season turning. Um, actually I know your listeners won't be able to see this, but this has been my, my go-to bottle bag with my Nalgene. Okay. Um, from a friend, um, Jameis at Greater Goods. Mm, shout out Greater Goods. Love Greater Goods. If you get the chance to talk to, J to Jameis, um, mm -hmm. he's incredible and uh, oh. doing such great work. Um, Put him on the list of people to ask. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. I think we were his first podcast, so we oh. we caught him super early in his um, in his uh, career. Um, I don't know. I think it had been just like a year before he had gotten his sewing machine for mm -hmm. New Year's and started sewing. And wow. But anyways, his bottle bag is is a go-to for <laughs> me. I, I literally take it everywhere. Um I don't know. I've been interested in Utah brands too. Okay. So I've actually got my my uh um fanny pack here. Um <laughs> that is from a company called Wave Products. 
Um, and in Utah, I've been trying to trace down like the earliest outdoor companies in Utah um, as a part of this history effort, but just because I'm interested in this company uh, started in 79. Um, so it's one of the older outdoor companies in Utah um, and everything's made in Salt Lake City. Um, a lot of bags, mostly they would make mm -hmm. bags for the ski patrol. Um, mm -hmm. and so I've really been liking them They're They've kind of been going through an evolution. They've never had a website. Um, and they just got their first website this year. Um, it was just this older guy who had run the company for however, you know, many <laughs> decades and finally yeah. handed the keys over to someone else. And they're really putting some effort into, you know, building the company and marketing it. That's awesome. Um, so that, that's been a good one. Um, you know, this is just, just a couple. I mean, I'm always wearing Keens too. I, mm -hmm. I love my, I've got a couple, uh, sets of Keen boots, um, that especially are good. Um, you know, here in, in, as we're headed into snowy weather. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, cool. I think that kind of covers everything. Um, now moving on to the future. We've talked a lot about the future, what, what we think and how we don't have opinions on the future. Um, <laughs> what are some, what's like a piece you're really looking at, uh, a brand you see coming up in the future, anything like that, just future oriented? Oh, I mean, I have been looking at anything Salehi's done. I was actually mm -hmm. just bidding on some, uh, some of his, um, the, the Anta collaboration that he did. Um, I would, I'd love a pair of any of, any of his, the new balance, the Crocs, um, mm. I mean, those are always on my radar. Um, maybe one day, <laughs> but, um, and then, I mean, secondhand, I'm always looking for, um, I try to hit our thrift stores pretty often here in town nice. and I'm always looking for anything fleece. So I just picked up a nice Columbia, uh, nineties Columbia fleece that I've been, wearing ever since I got it off the rack. Wow, so very nice. Um, but so any, you know, I, I've, I'm really trying to focus on secondhand, you know, even though I just said, I want to buy new from Salehi, but yeah, it's um, just one thing. It's just I've been a little thing. more conscious of, of that too. It's like, what mm -hmm. am I wearing? Um, but a lot of my wardrobe recently has been stuff I've bought at thrift stores and it, I don't know, nice. it feels good. It feels yeah, nice to yeah. not, you know, have, have a, a larger portion of my collection be, stuff that someone else got away or got rid of right they didn't need it mm -hmm. any longer and i picked it up so um, yeah it's I've really, really cool. been focused on that more nice yeah i've definitely i've had a um not an epiphany there's been like a push just in like my head for you know just not over consuming in general especially with clothing because like you know i was a supreme kid i would just i'd try to buy like a shirt every week and try to resell it stuff like that Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, definitely just, especially with the gear portion of it, like I have a mid layer, I have a top layer, I have a rain chill and I kind of don't need anything else. So I know like new releases are coming out and like, I'll admire from afar, but in general, it's kind of just like, yeah, I already have like three sweaters and I like the colors of them all. So I don't really need another one. And that's just kind of my right. mindset now, you know, I don't need the next new thing. No, totally. Yeah. I've been feeling the same way for sure. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of other people are for, um, are as well. So yeah, I mean, that's, just that that's whole a good trend. I like it. Yeah. We've in, in our program, we've been talking a lot about re-commerce mm -hmm. and I mean, that just being, um, really potentially overtaking, you know, the sale of new products. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that we're talking a lot about our students with it's, as you're a designer heading in, working for a company, are you going to be thinking about designing this thing for resale? 
right? Mm -hmm. Or for repairability, um, you know, like just thinking about um, the impact of your design decisions, you know, beyond that first person that's going to own it. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's an interesting exercise for our students to go through for sure. Definitely. And a lot of these bigger companies like Patagonia with their, uh, man, Warnware program, mm-hmm. Arcteryx with Rebird, like they are, they are doing it. So it's definitely possible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll see where our students take that, if they can take it a step further. Yeah. That'd be super cool. Um, so moving on from that, we're going to go on to the third hidden section of this, which is archive. Uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about the archive. You've kind of gone over the history of it all. Um, I do have a few questions as well. Um, sure. Sadly, my I didn't, my post did not do very well on my story yesterday. I did I got like half the viewers I normally get. Um, the algorithm. But, yeah. Come on. I know. I'm sorry, That's but right. I do have I do have some questions for you. So I will. Sure pull those up real quick you might have already answered them a question from backcountry archives uh who actually recommended your page to me well he came on the podcast earlier and he's the one who shared oh, nice. you out. yeah he put you on my radar um where do you find your magazines and you kind <laughs> of answered that already but do you know how they were originally sourced for a lot of these our secrets huh oh yeah we get, and you don't you don't have to because when he came, oh, no, it's it's no secret, and we're a public institution, so we like okay, to share. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we get them from a few different places. Primarily, they're donated. Um, okay. We do get a lot from um, outdoor enthusiasts, um, people, just collectors in general, um, early empo- employees from companies. Um, so sometimes I'll well, actually, we we have a number of people that we're talking with all the time about their personal collections. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a few of those that we're juggling. Um, but then we have other people who find us through the Instagram who have a collection and and they don't know what they're gonna do with it. Their kids don't want it. Um, or they just love what we're doing and um, they ship it our way. But I'd say mostly the um, where we get a lot of our materials from are from direct outreach from us. Okay. So let's say there's, there's kind of a key designer at a company that we're interested in preserving mm-hmm. their personal papers. Now I should say our collection includes catalogs and magazines, but a growing portion of our collection is manuscripts. So any other print related material. So this could be sketches, it could be letters mm-hmm. uh, or memos from the company. It could, you know, it could be patents, um, anything like that. Um, we've been focusing a lot of our efforts more recently on going to people to try to get their personal records. So, um, for example, we approached an individual um, a couple of years ago, actually, his name's Bob Gillis, mm-hmm. and he was a contributor to designing the oval intention from the North Face, oh, the wow. geodesic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we approached um, him, got in touch with his wife. Um, he's in really poor health right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um and so together they had been thinking about, well, what do we do all with all of his life's work mm-hmm. um, as a contributor to that? And, and he went on to start a company called Shelter Systems as well, a tent company. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they decided to send um, his manuscripts and materials to us. And so that included all of his personal sketchbooks, wow. photographs, um, his patents that he had, he had, um, um, he had gotten. Um, and now they're all housed at the university archives in the Bob Gillis collection. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that people can view. Um, so more and more, we're excited about getting those like personal collections. And then mm -hmm. usually when we talk to people about their personal collections, they have magazines and catalogs that they've accumulated over the years as well. Wow. That's very cool. Um, Sorry, I didn't really give a, I didn't really give an overview of what's so, in the collection, but no, no, no. Yeah. It, it was just, where do you find them? Um, so backcountry archives, answer your question. Uh, you just gotta have industry insider secrets. Yeah. Industry people. people. Yeah, yeah. I should say eBay is a good friend of ours too. We, we do have a buying budget and mm. so we do buy, um, but eBay, okay. eBay always has catalogs. So, okay. um, I, I, we, we have eBay alerts on for certain, uh, companies. Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to fill in the gaps in our collection, um, just buying as well. So nice. And then the other question I got from outdoor rec, uh, spelled R E C C E said, could we get some slides of the insides of the catalogs? Uh, it's currently mostly covers. Yes, that is a popular question. Um, yeah, I see it's a smile on your the, face. It's probably the most asked. Um, uh -huh. So I try to take uh, photos of the insides and I throw them up on our stories um, mm -hmm. just to keep that nice uniform flow in the yeah. feed. We like to, we like a clean flow or mm -hmm. a clean feed. Yeah. Um, but so I'll I'll take snapshots of the insides um, and um, just just to as a taste for people. Um, and I have to tell people, unfortunately, we can't scan everything in full yeah. because of the sheer volume of material <laughs> that we are dealing with and more and more every day. Um, we have, we probably have over 10,000 catalogs and magazines right now. Wow. And astounding. Um, in each of them, mm -hmm. you know, it varies, but each of them maybe at, at a minimum has 20 pages. Mm -hmm. And so to scan everything, um, first of all, where do you start? Yeah. You know, which brand, where do you, you know, where do you really put your time and effort? Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to imagine someone individually, you know, scanning yeah. each page yeah. and then housing it on, on our website. Um, mm -hmm. there's ways to do it, but, um, we just can't right now. Um, what we're most focused on right now is just making sure that the material is safe. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyone is welcome and I know there's limitations to visiting in person, but anyone mm -hmm. is welcome to see everything in the collection if they visit us in person. Yeah. Um, my hope is that down the road, we're able to do more digitization, uh, mm -hmm. but truly right now we are just flooded with collections. We've, we've had two major collections, uh, donated to us recently, oh, um, wow. that have our staff all hands on deck. So, uh, one is from, uh, Moss tent works. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone is familiar with Moss, but, um, they really took kind of tent design, uh, in this you know, pre seventies and flipped it on its head that, you know, everything up to that point was a frames. Mm -hmm. Um, you started oh, wow. to get the geodesics from, from, um, from the North face and dome tents, but Bill was a, an architect and uh -huh. an illustrator and just an artist. And so he wanted to design tents that were very aesthetically pleasing. He, mm -hmm. he was, um, quoted to say there are no straight lines in nature. And so his yeah. thought was why make a straight tent? Um, yeah. and so all of his tents are curved in some way. And so his, um, he passed away years ago, but his family decided to send his entire collection to us. Wow. So that includes all of his personal sketches, photographs, patents, business records. Um, we probably have 30 bankers boxes worth of material that 
were are still being processed. Um, so that I guess again, going back to the question, that's just to say processing alone is is mm -hmm. taking a lot of time for us. Yeah. Um, but we're just so passionate about getting the material here and making sure that it's not going to get thrown away because wow. a lot of the material out there is in a precarious place um, or could easily just get thrown away or um, mm -hmm. even material that set a brand. We're always afraid that a company will get acquired and yeah. new management will come in. They'll just see all this it. old stuff and just say, well, we don't need this. Right. Yeah. So and that was a long way of saying we hope to at some point, but right now it's, it's all about just getting it here and getting it safe. Mm -hmm. See, that's that podcaster spirit in you. You're, you got it. You know how to ramble on. It's good. I like it. I mean, it's, yeah, not, well, it's not rambling. Hope, hopefully it's not too rambly. No, no, um, it's information. We ended it's on a high note too. We, we have to end on a high note, right? Yeah. Optimistic. Yeah. So. And I will say, as I look up, I looked up Moss Tense and the sixth picture is usu.edu. So yeah, well, there. we worked together on that and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we did a joint press release and the family was really happy that, that, nice. you know, the university was going to honor their legacy mm -hmm. yeah, um, and, and ensure that the material would be celebrated and preserved and protected and, and they want people to be able to appreciate it. So we've had a number of students in our design program, they're working on tent concepts. And as a part of mm -hmm. their research, they went down into the archive to study Moss tents. Mm -hmm. um, so it's already having a really cool impact on the next generation. Yeah, it's super cool. Just looking at some of these designs. I was not familiar with this, but just some really wild stuff. That's really, really cool. If you're interested, um, mm -hmm. hold on. <laughs> Are you showing me the book? Yeah, I just added that to my wish list on oh, Amazon right it's, now. <laughs> it's so good. So for those who can't see us, um, it's it's a book called Bill Bill Moss, Fabric Artist and Designer. And it was written by his, his wife, Marilyn. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of the material you see in here. We have the... We have the source material now in our archive. So yeah. Um, yeah, this book is stunning. Definitely would recommend picking that one up for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've added, it, I've added it to my list and I wouldn't like to buy off of Amazon, but if I have to, then I will. Yeah, you might be able to buy it direct from Maryland. I'm not sure. Okay. But... Yeah, I just would rather not support that company. Yeah. Um, sweet. Well, talking about the archive, we've talked about how it began, talk about what you're doing now, talk a little bit about the future. Um, where would you like to see, like, what would you like, uh, maybe not end goal, but further on down the line, what would you like this thing to become? Would you like it to be more of like a museum rather than a university, uh, I don't know, archive? It's a good question. Um, the thing that we like about archives is archives are like museums, except for you can touch the material. Yeah. Um, so in some respects, we like being an archive, um, but, um, you know, moonshot ideas, it would be interesting to add gear to the collection right now. Uh -huh. We don't have the bandwidth or expertise to preserve, um, 3d objects, mm -hmm. um, because the work of an archivist and the work of a museum curator curator, while similar are different enough that it takes a different type of skill set. So, yeah. um, you know, because the material that we're collecting, um, is, is all about gear and objects. It would be nice to have the counterpart to the material on the page. Mm -hmm. um, but that's definitely something that, you know, would take, would take a lot, a lot to make happen. <laughs> yeah. But that would be a lot more I, storage, I, a bigger facility, oh, everything. And a new fat, a new hire. We'd have to have a, yeah. new, a new person hired on. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think in the near term though, we have some, some exciting things that we want to, we want to explore more. I think, 
I think down the road, there's an opportunity for publishing the material in a print form, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and making it available for people in that, in that format. Um, we, last year, we, well, this year um, in September, we did our first ever outdoor history summit. Oh, wow. And it was a virtual get together with um, historians, designers, enthusiasts, mm -hmm. um, corporate archivists from brands oh, wow. like Patagonia, Levi, Carhartt. Mm -hmm. um, and we brought people together for a conference where we talked about the history of the industry and, and the work that needs to be done to make sure it's protected. Wow. Um, we're looking to do another one of those um, in the fall, um, hopefully in person mm -hmm. um, here on campus so people can actually see the material. Um, maybe that can coincide with your trip out here. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but we, we are also making a, a strong push to get brands here on campus. We, mm -hmm. I, I, I won't say which footwear brand, but we had a footwear okay. brand recently bring 14 designers here to campus mm. and, um, for a creative offsite. And so we, for two days, we had designers from the company set wow. up in the archive, looking through all the materials. And, uh, that was a really cool experience for That's them very cool. and really, really great for us. Most of mm -hmm. them had never been to Utah before. So <laughs> let alone yeah. Logan. Um, and so we're hoping to do a lot more of that too. Yeah. Brands are starting to recognize that there's a treasure trove of ideas, mm -hmm. um, and insights, um, that you can't find online. Yeah. Um, because yeah. the only record that we have of it is in print form here in our archives. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're expecting to have a few more brands visit us in the new year and, and look forward to doing more, um, offsites with people. That's super cool. Yeah. That that's really, really awesome. I was going to say, this sounds like, especially with the vintage scene of clothing, just kind of growing in general, I think mm -hmm. a lot of designers would be looking back into the archives that, you know, like you said, maybe they don't physically have anymore. Maybe they were off sold. Maybe something happened to them when someone took over. And it's just so cool that you guys have that one spot where people can come in and be like, yeah, well, I need to see this from like 1983. Do you guys have this one shoe? Totally. totally. You know? Yeah. And that, that makes me think of what we're doing on the digitizing front and with the Instagram mm -hmm. account. It's kind of wild to me. In most cases, I think we're putting out material that has never been on the internet before, mm -hmm. which is kind of a crazy thought to have. Yes. Yeah like and, and adds a level of like responsibility to the work that we're doing is mm -hmm. most of the stuff we're putting out there these are covers that haven't been seen by people before yeah. um and they're now online and they're out there um yeah. and we see how quickly things travel i mean we posted a one of the covers it's a patagonia cover that's more recognized it's it's been out there for a few years and people know it but but we posted that um t-rex climbing oh uh, yes, yes, yes catalog cover and that made the rounds and oh, yeah. you know I saw it was it on 90, every page it was 90s anxiety would share it and then everyone uh -huh. else would share it and so it's it's amazing how some of the material that maybe people haven't seen before and mm -hmm. some on the more extreme end that has never been online before <laughs> yeah. um, is starting to spread um, yeah which is is a responsibility but we're also excited that that people have an interest in it mm -hmm. i was going to say that it's introducing people to an entire like an entire generation of people that weren't even alive when this stuff was printed you know and maybe their parents weren't even alive when this stuff was printed at some point mm -hmm. uh it's it really it's an archive is what it is it's that's there's a word for it but it's just really really cool to think about like you were you're showing people just like a little time capsule absolutely and and i 
our, our archivist likes to say that we preserve people's junk mail. It's yeah. like catalogs are that first thing that, you know, you just toss. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the interesting thing. Most people just saw catalogs as as junk mail. And so no one else was preserving them in a formal yeah. way at a university. And so that's where we recognized we had an opportunity is there was this very common material that was being sent out to mailboxes all over the United States and internationally in some cases that people just weren't protecting. So that's where we stepped in. And I think we really hit on something that struck a nerve with a lot of people, obviously. Definitely. I remember I was telling my mom about uh, just like the whole scene in general. And I was asking like, if she had any of those catalogs, she's like, no, but I remember they were always so cool. They just had like the the Patagonia catalogs had like the coolest pictures. They always had like the the nicest product shots with people doing really wild stuff. I was like, so do you have any? She's like, no, those are long gone. (laughs) I threw those out. We just had had a visitor from from here in the state and Mm -hmm. uh, he was looking through the material and and he saw a black diamond catalog and he said that black diamond catalog was on my nightstand for years. Wow. And it was this catalog from the nineties. And mm-hmm. he was just saying like, I remember that, like that was a big part of my life. And, yeah. and is like one of the reasons that I'm in this industry is, is I was just like, so taken with wow. you know, the product. Honestly, I think we found it covered everything. Cool. Unless you have anything else you'd like to say or questions you've got for me or anything like that. Um, I, the only thing I would say is, um, check out the archive outdoor rec archive on Instagram. Um, and message us if, if you, if anyone wants to get in touch or talk about the collection has materials, they want to donate anything, just send me a note, send me a DM. Um, I am on the other side of that. My standard message I send everyone is information about the collection and that I'm not a bot. Yeah, I, will respond. I saw it. <laughs> um, I want people to know that we are, we're here. Uh, we want to talk and, and we want to help, you know, continue to help foster this community that's passionate about this work just as much as we are. So happy to share and happy to talk. Uh, Chase, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Do you want to, do you have like a personal Instagram account you'd like to shout out or no, um, keep that secret? <laughs> well, you know, I share, I share that with people, but yeah, just check out the archive one for sure. Yeah. And you can get in touch with me that way. Okay, sweet. Well, thank you for coming on. This was uh, probably the most intellectual talk I've ever had on the Trees and Nylon podcast. So I just want to thank you for that one as well. Um, and yeah, it was just awesome talking to you. Of course. Yeah. Great to talk to you and, and honored to be here. Happy to be on the podcast. Thanks. Sweet. I'll talk to you later. Bye.